0: to talk for a little bit about economics of Gen Z. I see a lot of similarities between Gen Z and the silent generation. Uh, Gen Z, um, I think it's very, very fitting that they carry the label um, of the last letter in the alphabet, um, because I see that they are the end of an epoch in human generations that's come full circle. Um, The silent generation was the last generation that was uh, like Gen Z. Um, They're both products of uh, extreme hardship, It just so happens that we can't see it because the details are different. Um, We are distracted by vanity metrics that Gen Z is not distracted by. I am about smack in the middle of the millennial generation, and I started listening closer to Gen Z and what they cared about when I was trying to hold on to ethics that were clashing with things um, that I study for hobbies, such as macroeconomics and uh, behavioral economics, global economics, and how value chains work internationally and i i started to realize that you know the baby boomers they're they're not going to be in positions of power in 10 20 years max maybe most likely 15 years max and by then we're going to have gen x at the top and millennials um competing for the you know the generations under gen x with gen z And I started reading into Gen Z and realizing that they're a bigger generation than the baby boomers, and that's going to be really tough for millennials and Gen X to process because uh, that's uh, they're they're going to make up about half of the world, and we need to be prepared to invest in them because they're the future, ranging anywhere from was it like roughly 10 to 24, um, they're the future. And if we don't invest in them, uh, they could potentially outnumber us. Um, and the more I've listened to them, I realize that that sounds a lot like if if we don't learn how to control them, then they'll control us. When ironically enough, it's more about bridging this divide. I feel like when we talk about us and them nowadays, it's so divisive because there's no feeling of hope to uh, bridge a divide. It's either one or the other. It's this absolute extremism. Um, And that, that just doesn't make sense to me. And this is this is kind of what happens when you have generations that are raised in intense disparity, um, and they are at the bottom. And in this case, there's intense disparity, um, not for the same reason as the silent generation, which saw the entire economic infrastructure collapse, but now we see the entire economic infrastructure in an enormous, mind-boggling bubble. Um, And right as it was about to correct itself and, you know, go through this natural cycle of death and rebirth, uh, we hijacked it and put it onto another bubble. We switched it from the housing market bubble, which had popped and moved it on over to the education bubble and... That is now going to uh, bite us back hard, um, but that's what hubris tends to do. And what I have learned is that Gen Z does not care about money, and this is this is hard for millennials, Gen X, and baby boomers to see, let alone comprehend it when they do see it. Um, I see a lot of cognitive dissonance and, you know, analysis of, you know, housing markets and car markets and people saying that, oh, there's, you know, a lack of interest from millennials and buying houses. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that I see how about half of millennials lean more towards Gen Z and the other half of millennials lean more towards Gen X and baby boomer type mentality of economics. That has to do a lot with debt, um, currency, all the currencies based on debt. Um, and Gen Z just does not give a shit about this. It's a lot like, Uh, The silent generation, they just hated debt. And we've gotten to the point where, you know, we found the value in debt and then we pushed it to its limit. And then when it started to push back, we locked it in a cage. And then when it broke out, um, we just started feeding it to distract it to the point that we're about to run out of food to feed it. And that's that's where things are. It's realizing there are so many things that are based on debt and debt to wealth conversion that we don't even know about on the macroeconomic level, such as, you know, insurance and financing and all of these things are based on debt transference that started so long ago that it uh, predates American history to the point when debt was no longer a bad word and uh, it got aligned with government empires and uh, the British Empire specifically is the last big push where there became such a thing as good debt and bad debt. Um, And Gen Z... Sees this the same way the silent generation did um if you don't remember what the silent generation was known for. they were known for facing uh great atro- atrocities at home and abroad um in you know personal uh, desolation and also helping to prevent the desolation of others during this global depression, and they are inherently righteous in a way that doesn't have anything to do with self righteous They're selfless. Uh, they have integrity. They have principles, principles that um, w- we're all born with, but uh, weren't conditioned out of them from things like, uh privilege comfort safety all of these things that we value either together or individually i mean if you don't believe that there has been an increase in these entitlements um go out and look at how many security camera systems are available at electronic stores now ask Somebody who's been working there, you know, five or 10 years, if that section was always that big, um, also check out, you know, the furniture sections and stores and ask them, um, if, uh, they've seen a shift from functionality to comfort in the past 10, 15, 20 years and, um, This is the kind of quantitative analysis that lets you know that millennials, Gen X, and baby boomers are so spoiled that we are measuring degrees of less spoiledness in a way where it's like, we're having a dick measuring contest, but the goal is to cut off more of your dick. It's uh, so self-destructive and it's, it's so divisive. It's so, <laughs> so, so counterintuitive, but it's been conditioned. And what Gen Z is talking about is so counter conditional, but it's inherently wise. I think a lot about a quote from Tron Legacy, it's, uh, uh, paraphrasing it, I don't remember it exactly, but it's um, profoundly naive, but incredibly wise. And I don't know if I got that exact, but that's, that's what i get from listening to gen z long enough of course there's an exception to the rule but lumping them all in with a stereotype or a stigma is the same thing millennials got tagged with you know five ten years ago the same thing gen x got tagged with in the 80s the fact is is we find a way to bring balance but when we have this divisiveness of they're not ready we need to get over our egos because treating people like children makes them lash out like children when we haven't had the skill sets to raise them to be adults pretty much all of the world all the way up to the baby boomers are in an extended state of adolescence Let's first not try and address the belief that that doesn't apply to you, but just be aware of that. How many people do you know that you feel are playing adult the best they can, but they mess up the same way a child would if they were 30, 40, 50, 60 years old? It's realizing they make the same mistakes because they're not listening to the world. They... They keep trusting the wrong people. They're naive like a child. Um, And they just, you know, don't have that counterbalance of wisdom of a child. Where children are naive in a case where they will trust almost anyone up until a certain age. But they also listen. They listen to everything. And they call us out on our bullshit sometimes to the point where... We know they're not wrong. They don't see the bigger picture. They don't see how we can justify and explain that it's right. But they're not wrong. And this is tough because Gen Z has had more information at their fingertips than I could have imagined growing up and during the rise of the information age and the internet in its budding years, and the amount of time I've had with the internet compared to the amount of information they've had, it's it's realizing I spent ten years with the internet before we hit the era of the internet where we are in now. Uh, probably closer to twenty years. Honestly, I think it was two thousand eight is when the internet got to the point where, I think it's every three days now, we accumulate the same amount of information as we did from the beginning of human history up until that point. So that's when the internet kind of went into hyperdrive. And the amount of information I was able to consume from the internet from, you know, 1995 to 2008 is nothing Compared to, you know, the amount of information that I've gained from 2008 to now. And realizing that it doesn't even make a dent what I learned before to after 2008. And anybody who started with the internet in 2008 has the same information that every single other generation has had access to from, you know, the get-go, from being able to consume it so much earlier than we were ever able to get it into our brains through the Socratic method at schools. We have to understand that they are super intelligences taught the maturity of, you know, life by humans in a state of extended adolescence. We are all very, very intelligent people, but we are not very emotionally intelligent. And that's tough because, you know, in our hubris of authority, we believe that we are more right than people who don't really give a crap about uh, reason if it's illogical. (laughs) The... (laughs) They don't care about collective reasoning if it breaks logic, which they understand because they've learned way more from the internet, which is based on foundations of logic that they understand better than we could comprehend, and that has made them proverbially principled. It's uh, it's it's not to be denied that they are talking about things that really matter that burst our bubble on a lot of topics and the fact that they are ready to address them quantitatively and work together in ways where it crosses divides that we can't begin to let ourselves start feeling ready for because of our ingrained ideologies um, from, you know, isolated collective bubbles for so long and they don't have that so of course they're breaking down divides in ways that you know collective reasoning and collective ethics are saying this is wrong but they're actually following a higher law of ethics uh this is the same higher law of ethics that when the silent generation went off to world war ii um, led to the fall of segregation and the beginning of the civil rights movement because they were able to fight for what really mattered and they didn't give a flying fuck. If, you know, the person who had their back was, you know, black, Jewish or white, it didn't matter. They were, they were fighting for a a higher principle. They were not fighting for what was collectively right in their, Bubbles that have said this is right based on our ideology. They were fighting for human rights. And of course, that led to a huge wave of human rights movements after the silent generation. We don't have enough of these stories because they were the silent generation. We have to respect that our ignorance is due to their wisdom and respect for the price paid and realize that the wisdom has been revived to this earth through the secular nature of God or the universe or Allah or whatever, you know, your genetic fallacy of ideology says is the most powerful force. Essentially, love has come full circle. And that wisdom has come in a way that just as there's not enough stories for us to believe this about the silent generation, we are given the same sort of conundrum to call us out on our hypocrisy to listen that they don't have the experience and the authority for us to care to listen to them intelligently. And our intelligence has gotten in the way of us listening and listening long enough for us to get context. We often try and interrupt, albeit intellectually, things that do not have The same wisdom as intelligence, because they are beyond our intelligence. There were intelligent ways to justify and explain slavery, to justify and explain segregation. And by the time they got to segregation, they're like, yeah, but it's not wrong because it's not slavery, just as They said during slavery, yeah, but it's not wrong because they're not human. Just as now, Gen Z is going to be able to figure out how to get us out of a society of debt-based money with tools that the millennials created. And people are saying, Yeah, but debt isn't slavery. Well, debt is to slavery what segregation was. It's realizing that they're not wrong in saying that, but to have a slavery, to have a slave was to have debt over them, either as an indentured slave or slave through force or fear of force. Most likely, they only used force in, you know, public examples, not with every single one. It was once they got to, you know, having children, those children were having children, they didn't need to use force that much. It was so indoctrinated in them to obey from fear of force that they were uh, obedient slaves no matter what. And the same thing was true in segregation. It was, at least we weren't slaves on a plantation. I'm speaking as them. I don't have the right to, but I am. Sorry. Um, and what's interesting is, is we have lost an appreciation for context. I hear Gary Vee talking about context all the time. It's why people misconstrue him that's why they think he's being a a hard ass when he's talking to a specific niche of people mostly mostly either gen z or the influencer crowd the people who understand the value of influencing to be the ethical evolution of corporate brands and this is it it's realizing that you know I found a way to have harmony between social infrastructure and commerce in a way that doesn't lead to government tyranny or industrialism. Because given enough time, all the old economic ideologies, all the old anti-economic ideologies, all the old social ideologies, are going to be replaced completely with essentially an economic social infrastructure that is in itself an API for any idea, any economic idea, any social idea. And they can all work in harmony because it doesn't need a single theology or ideology to function. And they can all work almost like free market for ideas rather than, you know, governmental structures as we know them. It's going to evolve ethically the same way American social and economic infrastructure upgraded ethically after slavery, the same way it upgraded ethically after segregation, the same way it upgraded ethically after gay rights movement, the same way it upgraded ethically after the women's rights movements, the same way it upgraded ethically after Nellie Bly and the mental health revolution. And what we're going to see is a revolution for human rights that isn't centralized. It's going to be so decentralized that we're going to have an ethical revolution in every single aspect of human rights. Because the fact of the matter is, this is everything 2.0. This is human existence 2.0 that's coming up. This is human governance 2.0. This is human economics 2.0. This is Human medicine 2.0. This is human religion 2.0. We're getting rid of all the ideals, all the ideology. And going back to basics, going back to the ideas, going back to the foundation. And only good ideas will survive. Because only bad ideas need to be enforced. And if that... Ideology doesn't exist. Enforcement. The natural consequence is bad ideas won't ever gain enough traction to overpower good ideas. This is the revolution of love. This is the revolution of hope. This is the revolution of dreamers. The same dreamers that Steve Jobs talked about, the creatives, the same dreamers that Martin Luther King talked about, that understand that hope isn't crazy because the opposite of crazy is still crazy. So either crazy isn't bad, and maybe it just is. Think different. Be a dreamer share your dream with the world because I know you have a dream and there will be a time when we do not have to pick one love is not wrong hope is not wrong change is not wrong being different is not wrong thinking different is not wrong Having a different brain chemistry is not wrong. Wanting something different, wanting something 2.0 is not wrong. We can out-genius the geniuses if we do the one thing that systems of control don't want and that's to unite, to listen to each other, to listen to our context, because context is not wrong. Let's listen past being offended. Being offended does not serve us. Justifying our offendedness keeps us divided. Listen through the discomfort. I can guarantee you, as somebody who didn't start out appreciating capitalism, but understood the value of it so much so that I became totally drunk on it. And I had a friend, 10 years younger than me, debated with me through the hard debates of the ideologies of socialism versus capitalism. And what I found out at the end of it, I didn't believe he was right, but I could not deny that he was not wrong. He was afraid of the same things I was. I was afraid of crony capitalists and knew that crony capitalists were synonymous with industrial titans given enough time. And that led me to explore what it meant to be an industrialist, and helped me see the difference between Facebook and Google and Amazon and, you know, Tesla and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. All like those four entities are—they look the same, but they're they're different. And Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk—they think different. They think with love and hope. In what's more right this this is the hope i see where social and capital combine in a way where we cut out the middlemen we cut out the money changers we already have the tools Let's push them beyond currency protocols. Let's push them to be not just decentralized cryptographic algorithms for currency protocols, but let's push for decentralized public services, decentralized organizations of collective cooperation, decentralized infrastructures to decentralize the initiating of infrastructures. Let's not just make it easy to make money. Let's make it easier to live. Let's make it easier to have a dream. Let's make it easier to hope by making stronger tools, making tools that don't require getting permission from a middleman Let's make tools that are truly open source. Tools that connect the service provider directly to the customer with no middleman taking a percentage. This is the marriage of social hope and human capital hope, where we take back ownership of our own capital. As individuals, we centralize the individuals. Seven and a half billion centralized organizations. There will be no centralized tyranny. The same centralized tyranny that both socialists and capitalists at the bottom both fear. The ones that are at the top ignore exist. Let's... Do this. It is not impossible, but it is crazy. It is crazy that they've worked so hard to keep us afraid of looking at things like blockchain because they know it gained attention when it was pointed at currency and they were afraid of us asking, What next? I will tell you what next. What next is hope. What next is cooperation? What next is personal growth? What next is personal mastery? Screw self-control when you can have self-mastery. Screw control of others when you are the master of yourself. Screw inequality when we all know that we are in the same place at different times. There is no linear progression. Every single life is a cycle of failure, success, failure, success. There is no try. You either do or you do not. Trying is the only failure. Because trying keeps you from accepting that you need to change. Trying is what keeps people from needing the change necessary to align what they want with what they need. This fear of change, this fear of being wrong is so self-limiting. We're so afraid to ask what next. We look for other people to give us the answer. We have all the answers we need. We have an innate wisdom that has been drowned out by the buzz of anxiety, the one true enemy of a self-mastered mind. Anxiety makes everything worse. Anxiety is what, in the 1880s, pushed people to new heights with their mental illness. It also pushed so many people who weren't mentally ill to act crazy. It pushed such a mental unhealth that wasn't defined by mental illness. It was defined by unhealthy personal choices due to anxiety. That there was such a stigma for mental illness or any unusual behavior as a result of anxiety that the new crazy was anxious and the people who were mentally ill were terrified of what this meant for themselves. And the people who weren't mentally ill became the new mentally ill. And at that point, more people were labeled mentally ill and in insane asylums than people who were actually mentally ill when the Anxiety was resolved with a voice with Nellie Bly, and the same thing is happening now. So many people have anxiety that it is considered normal to have negative anxiety. For no one is anxiety a useful tool. Like Daniel Kahneman talks about in Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow, this is at one time a useful tool for humanity, and now. Our anxiety meter is to the point where we want it to go away because we can't tell the good anxiety from the bad anxiety because we're not given those tools. We're actually given the tools to create as much anxiety as possible in our life. The consumerism consumerism that Jeff Bezos is fighting causes so much anxiety that we don't know what to, to buy. We don't know where to work, we don't know what to study. The anxiety created for paying bills, paying utilities, keeping the lights on, keeping the gas on, keeping the water running, all of these utilities that Elon Musk is trying to open source with the energy sector to give us that power back creates so much anxiety there's so much anxiety we don't even know what it's like not to live without some anxiety. We consider anxiety to be the overwhelming anxieties. There is no no more useful anxiety. We don't trust anxiety because it is no longer useful for us this happened in a time before in the 1800s in the rise of the age of anxiety which is portrayed very well in a book of same title the age of An- my age of anxiety is the name of the book and the age of anxiety is explained at the end of this book and it is time to rise up A revolution of the human mind A revolution of the human consciousness A revolution of peace and love and hope Because you have a dream And we need an infrastructure to unite Realize that blockchain is not just for cryptocurrency Blockchain is your tool Pick them up Pick up this tool and unite your people. Follow your dream. You know who your people are. Unite them. If you don't know code, use your voice to share this message and unite the people with code. Find them. If you are looking for a place to unite, go to my infrastructure at my library of consciousness. Go to my.libraryofconsciousness.com. If you go to my library of consciousness at libraryofconsciousness.com, you can find me, and that can be a starting point. And it will not be the place, but it will be a starting place and i will help you create your starting place if you have a voice to share like me or if you have skills to build with me join me at libraryofconsciousness.com we can do this at ground zero we will start building something that is not one place it is every place We are everyone. We are all already united. We just don't know it yet. And it will become more apparent the more who realize this, the more who see what is not seen. Not by choice, but by belief. By belief perpetuated by manipulators talked about in the century of the self. You can find this in my library of consciousness. You find the units in my library of consciousness next to the discussions, and you will find this documentary of the decade Come together right now with me.